Welcome into the latest edition of the Down the Road Podcast. I'm Nick Grenowitz, voice of your Lakeland Magic. Very excited about this one because we've got a Hall of Famer in the house. He is Orlando Magic play-by-play man David Steele, and he's in an especially good mood because he got back to work yesterday. Uh, We are recording this on Thursday, July 23rd. If you're doing the math in your head, that means it's the day after the Magic got back to the court for the first time in 135 days. So let's get to David Steele, who joins us now. David, I'm really excited to get a chance to talk to you, especially after yesterday. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I feel good after getting that first one under our belt. Um, I I have to admit, Nick, I, I had a few butterflies going into that game that I haven't had in a long time because everything is just so new and different, and it, it had been such a long time since we were on the air. Um, so it, it's good to get that one under our belt. I feel like it, it went pretty well, and it's just great to get back and, and see some NBA basketball, too. That's a big part of it. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, 135 days, David, and I, I know that you know, you've, you've got a background calling other sports and as well as the NBA. You, of course, have been with the Magic for a long time, both radio and TV. Is that the longest that you've gone without calling a game? I'm, I'm trying to think. I mean, four months basically is quite a time for, for – oh, it's a rhythm sport, broadcasting. You and I both know that. How long – has that been the longest? Probably. Probably so. Although it was kind of – if you measure it out, I guess it's pretty much like if you don't make the playoffs in the NBA and then don't have a game until October, you know, it's probably fairly close to the same thing. And we – unfortunately, we've had a few years like that. Mm-hmm. In the, in the last uh, last decade, but um, yeah, it's uh, not only that, but just you know, I mean, the pandemic, um, the uh, the NBA campus at Disney, um, us broadcasting from a uh, remote location, the the sounds were different. Uh, you you have some experience broadcasting remotely. I I did not, um, so that was my first one um, to do in, in that manner. So it, you know, there were just a lot of different, a lot of new things involved with it. You know, we're all doing things we've never done before right now. Yeah, no doubt. So take me behind the scenes a little bit because I, I have to be honest. I, I watched the scrimmage on Fox Sports Florida on Wednesday, and I was geeking out because I just wanted to see the set. I wanted to see the setup that you guys had there. Um, I was probably more interested in what you were doing than what they were doing on the court. So you guys were set up at the Amway Center. Take me a little bit behind how you guys were set up to, to broadcast a game that was going on 30 miles away. Yeah, sure, Nick. Um, well, you know the layout of the Amway Center, and just uh, down the hall from the locker room and um, uh, on the same level as the, the basketball court, there are meeting rooms and interview rooms, and we were in one of the big interview rooms that uh, houses uh, ordinarily the pre- and post-game press conferences with Steve Clifford. So it's that interview, interview room that has a big table and on one end of the elevated table with the magic banners and logos, and then uh, a lot of room for media to sit and interview the coach before and after the game. So that's where Fox Sports Florida decided to, uh, to, to base us for the next six, eight, 10, however many weeks it is. And uh, they, they did a great job. You know, I got to really tip my hat to what Fox Sports Florida was able to do to provide us uh, the tools necessary to do the best job we possibly can do under the circumstances. Um, so the room, uh, the big table where Steve Clifford ordinarily operates from in a press conference environment. That's where Jeff Turner and I were sitting. And uh, so our headsets are there. Um, There is a giant monitor to our right 
Um, I don't know. I tried to measure it, and uh, you know, this little app I have on my on my phone, I couldn't figure out how to make that work. So I'm not sure exactly how big it is, but it's bigger than anything that I've ever worked with. Um, so it's huge. It's a high definition television. So that's where the game is. Um, and then to our left, uh, the same size monitor has nine different boxes with nine different cameras from within the Disney campus, uh, the arena. So, you know, we can, we can look over there and see maybe the coaches or something that's not on camera that the fans are not seeing at home. We have the, uh, the opportunity to see some other angles in the building. So that's a, that's a pretty big deal for us because, you know, obviously there's a lot of disadvantages with not being there and be able to look around and see things. So at least we have a few things we can see that uh, are provided by the television truck at Disney. So, uh, you know, there's two cameras in there, uh, a wide shot camera. There's one that focuses on uh, Jeff and me, and, uh, and that's pretty much it. And then Dante Marcatelli is at his standard uh, spot up uh, in the Amway Center at his, his table. That, that, that shot looks really good. That's a beautiful desk mm -hmm. up there. But, you know, there's no fans. It's a dark building behind him. And, um, he, you know, he was, he was funny talking after the game about just how lonely it was up there because we didn't have a pregame or a postgame show. So we didn't bring in Brian Hill or Nick Anderson or Bo Outlaw, one of the color analysts. And so Dante was up there by himself in the, in the empty Amway Center, sitting up on the, the first level at his, uh, his table. So he was just, just Dante sitting up there by himself the whole game. Just social distancing. Yeah, Dante. Social, major social distancing there. I don't know if I've ever been more excited to see a moment with Dante. When that scrolled across, I was like, we're getting Dante Marcatelli. Uh, had it, had to, it, it had to have been kind of comforting for you and Jeff and Dante just to kind of be back and kind of a feel – there had to have been a feel of normalcy there a little bit, even though you guys are calling this, you know, in, in a really abnormal situation. Right. We haven't had a lot of contact with each other. You know, I mean, we, we text, there's a lot of texting that goes on um, between, uh, you know, the three of us. And so we've been in, in contact with each other and we played golf a few times um, together in the, uh, during the pandemic. Um, but, um, you know, just not, not ordinary, you know, not like it, it normally is. We, we spend a lot of time together, as you know, Nick, we're, mm -hmm. we're a pretty tight group. So it was great to be back, uh, back together again in the same facility um, even though it was, you know, not, not uh, like we're, we're normally uh, able to, to interact, but still great to be back. What was it like trying to get ready for this? I, and I, I do promise those that are listening, we're going to get to some basketball talk. I'm, I'm geeking out talking to David here about the broadcasting side, but what was it like just getting ready for this game? Because I, honestly, I had forgotten Gary Clark was on the team. I, there, there were plenty of, of, of changes. The Clippers didn't have four of their guys. We didn't know if they were going to have jersey numbers on or anything like that. So what was it like just kind of sitting down and getting yourself reacquainted, not only with a Clippers team that we hadn't seen much during the regular season, but also your own Magic team that, you know, had a guy on the longest 10-day contract ever? <laughs> That's a good point. Um, it was a little like uh, preparing for a preseason game after you, the first preseason game after you haven't done uh, any basketball for three or four or five months, whatever, between the end of the regular season and the start of preseason. So um, it, it, it involves, as you know, if, when you're doing your first game of a year of a season, um, in terms of preparation, there's, it takes a lot longer. And uh, so, yeah, it was, it was different. It was, the, and I'm trying also to kind of get a, a head start on the next couple of opponents. So um, 
the way I do my prep is pretty detailed and I, I've, I've got a head start because I had so much time to, to jump ahead knowing the Lakers and the Denver Nuggets were, you know, none of the stats were going to change from the, uh, from the regular season. So I've got a little jump on, on all of them um, leading up to the first real game, the, the one that counts against the net, Nets next Friday. But yeah, it's a, it takes, you know, it, it, it seemed like it, take, it takes a little longer than it used to but to, for me to prep up. But maybe that's just uh, getting older and, you know, my focus and um, the time it takes just seems a little more difficult. But, and there's more information out there, too. You know, you have to really figure out what, you, what information you want to use and what you, what's really not relevant. Yeah, you can really take in way, like way, way too much. But uh, I, I don't know. I don't know how you, how you did it, recollecting everyone. I mean, when Joakim Noah started that game, I was like, oh, that's right. Joakim Noah's on the Clippers. Um, yeah. That's, that's going to be really something to watch and kind of play the who he play for game that uh, Charles Barkley fails every single year. Yeah. Um, uh, let, let's, let, let, me, let me get to the team a little bit here, David, because you obviously – are used to having quite a bit of access, going to shoot around, getting a chance to talk to some players, I'm sure, on game day. Um, how That has to be different for you. Did you get a chance to talk to players? I mean, Steve Clifford, I know, has done press conference stuff, but how much, how much conversation do you get to have with the actual team leading up to these games? Yeah, that's one of the big problems with this situation from a broadcaster standpoint. Um, they're, they're, to me, there are a lot of things that are uh, not optimal, put it, uh, put it that way, um, in this situation. You know, again, not to sound ungrateful, I'm glad that we're back, and I think it's great that we're back. But you know, you can't be, um, as you know, being in the in the arena, around the players, around the coaches, um, traveling on buses and planes, and in hotel lobbies where, you know, I can maybe I maybe I have taken for granted those small interactions, um, just uh, a chance to chat here and there. You know, you you don't get to know the players really well. Obviously, I mean they they're in their their world and we're in ours. And um, but but we do interact some, and that uh, that little that some um, turns out to be pretty valuable in my mind. Uh, and I'm realizing that now when we don't have access because we haven't had access. All we get is those um, the Zoom calls that are available to the media. And so you know you can ask a question. Uh, you know, you cannot, you, you know, you just, you're just listening to the players answer questions. And uh, the same with Steve Clifford so far. Um, we did have a, a podcast opportunity with Coach Cliff and had a chance to chat with him, me and Jeff and Dante, um, before, uh, before that first game on Monday, I think it was last week. And so we had five or 10 minutes with him before he had to go to just chat, you know, on a Zoom call. That's the first time that uh, informally I've been able to talk with Coach Cliff. Um, and in those conversations during the season in a normal situation there, he's, he's such a great, uh, great guy in terms of, um, what he gives you access to and, um, his communicative skills. Um, he's, he's just very open, just a regular guy, a tremendous coach. You know, I have so much respect for him. And, and so I really am missing those interactions in particular. Yeah, I think that's a great way to describe it. It's it's the it's the normal now, but it's it's definitely not optimal. And even just getting a chance to watch shoot around with these guys and get a feel for who's hot, who's not, and uh, it's you're you're kind of it's it's like calling a pop quiz every single every single game, going in kind of cold. And and you guys did an unbelievable job on uh, on Wednesday with that first one. It felt I was I was talking about this with with a friend earlier. Uh, it felt like a normal game. 
and it, it, it's in, a, in an unnormal time. It felt like a normal game. What did you think about the way that the NBA has set up, I guess, the, the, the court? And it was, it was completely, completely, I think, um, I thought it was very well done. It was strange to see the NBA logo in the middle of the floor and not a team logo uh, and the benches with six feet apart and all that, even though I think Mo Bamba can just stretch out and touch the guy next to him. What did you think away about the way the NBA has the playing environment set up? That's a, yeah, I had thought of that. They could just, instead of having a yardstick, just have Mo stretch his arms out. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the distance the players should be apart. That, that's mm-hmm. a good suggestion. <laughs> um, yeah, I think they did a great job. I, you know, I can't, uh, I'm just blown away really by what the NBA and Disney have done. Um, it, it's just amazing. I think there's going to be um, books written about it, uh, documentaries made from it. I'm sure the NBA and their, their, uh, their marketing brilliance has uh, cameras everywhere to document what's going on you know, from, from the day one that they got there. I think that'll be, uh, you know, from a geek standpoint, like you and I are about broadcasting and what it took to do this. I think that's going to be fascinating when the story is told of how they pulled all of this off. Um, and the, the arena looked great. I thought, you know, I was really happy with what the game arena looked like. Um, it looked like a television studio and that's the way it was described to us that they had three courts that they had turned into, TV studios, so the lighting is is uh, is just perfect. Um, everything looks crisp and clear. Uh, what you saw Wednesday is just uh, the tip of the iceberg um, as far as what the technology you're going to see is coming down the road. I mean, they just started rolling a few things out, and you know it's interesting. I watched. Uh, I went back and watched some of our game, and we were the first one out of the gate at three o'clock on Wednesday. And I think our audio and video is pretty minimal from what I mm-hmm. gather. Um, you know, the NBA is controlling all of what you see and all, almost all of what you hear. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> We've got, uh, you know, it's COVID uh, problems here. Um, it's all right. Mine is, mine is sitting here staring at me. I'm wondering whether or not she's going to participate in the moment. So. Oh, that's coach. Somebody must have come to the door. Mm-hmm. But, um, so well, everything that you hear, though, Nick, is, is coming out of, the, uh, out, out of Disney, out of the court, out of the, the broadcast facility. So we okay. don't control the sound pretty much. We control just the, in, in the Amway Center. Uh, we control the levels. But uh, the NBA is providing the audio, the video. We have one camera to give us, um, you know, special shots that we want. One guy in there, if we want a shot at, say, Jonathan Isaac, then our guy can go get that. It'll be different from what, every, what the feed is, is coming, the TV feed out of the arena. But uh, they just rolled out a few things uh, on Wednesday. So we, uh, I went back and listened, as I started to say before, the rude interruption by my little guy here, that uh, they had a lot of my 30, is what I was told, 32 microphones under the court. So I heard a lot of sneaker squeaking. I don't know if you noticed that, but a yeah, lot of a lot of, and that's the real sounds of what's going on. Um, there are microphones all around the, the building. So um, as, as we move forward, you're going to hear more of the players and coaches' conversations. Um, apparently, there's going to be a seven-second delay so that you can, you know, X out things that you don't want heard or the NBA doesn't want heard, language and such. <clears throat> and, um, and also, uh, as far as the, uh, what you see, um, there's going to be some, a lot of things added uh, in the virtual realm around the arena you know you saw some signage and I think you Mm -hmm. saw the LA Clippers logo because it was their home game a lot right but um, they have they have some pretty uh, innovative things planned as 
this thing continues. And I think by the time we're playing the eight games, it's going to sound and look incredible. I mean, I, I can't wait to see when they roll everything that they have planned out. Um, it's it's going to be something. They're going to they're, they're, one of the plans is to to take 300 fans from each team, from each of the two teams, and have them live superimposed virtually around the court. So you'll see 300 actual Magic fans, and how they're going to select them, I, I don't know. But the plan is to put those people from their living rooms watching the game, and it looks like they're in the stands. And, wow. uh, and that will be part of the audio, too. They'll have a chance to interact with the games. So that's one of the ideas that they're, they're bringing forward. I watched the Miami game last night when I got home, or Wednesday night when I got home. And um, I noticed that just every now and then, it was funny because the NBA is just playing with things in this during these scrimmages. They'll just pop, something will change. It's really fascinating from a geek standpoint to watch mm -hmm. games right now because I saw different things in different games. And they popped fans up onto the screen as the, the heat were coming down the court. All of a sudden, where those the virtual signage was near the benches, there were people cheering and, you know, chanting, let's go heat. And I guess that was video. I don't think they were they were live people, but you know they were playing with what that would look like, you know, from a technical standpoint. So um, you know this is this is a crazy new world, a brave new world in technology, and um, the NBA is going to try out a lot of uh, very interesting things during this time. So not only is the basketball really great, but um, from a technology standpoint, it's going to be so fascinating to see how this all plays out. Yeah, it's a made-for-TV event, and, and that's, that's what's really been intriguing following this is um, for the first time, the NBA's focus doesn't or isn't on the fan experience. It's only on the television experience, and I, I do wonder if sports end up heading more and more in that direction. I hope that we don't end up where they start making these arenas smaller because the in-person in experience is very special, but we've seen dropping attendance in some sports, and well, the television product what you and Jeff do and what we see across many different sports has gotten so much better that's that's one thing I think might be kind of a uh, um, you know a, a, a change we see is maybe maybe we do see more people stay at home and watch the games because the product is so good but that's something that I've kind of just been playing around with a thought during this uh, this pandemic I, I do want to get to a little bit of basketball with you I, I could I could talk about this with you for for hours David and 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 I wish I wish I could um but I, I did want to get to a little bit of basketball with you um because yesterday's game did remind me of a G League game a little bit kind of a you know um a select attendance I would say and you're hearing a lot of just players talking to coaches coaches and and referees um you've been covering the NBA for a very long time I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on what you've seen in terms of the, the change in both the attitude towards the G league and well, with there being a team in Lakeland now, what the magic are doing with their G league team and just even the caliber of players that are coming out of there now, because the magic have done a nice job. You watched that team yesterday, Wes Awandu and Kem Birch guys that have come out of Lakeland. Um, you've had, you've had a chance to really watch what the G league has done. And I feel like it's really taken some great strides the last few years. Yes, I've been a huge advocate of the NBA using the G League, and I know you know it just took time to ramp it up. But the league has been uh, has been bullish on on the G League as well for you know a long time. But uh, now that pretty much every team has a one on one relationship with a G League operation, um, I think that's huge. It's just uh, it's made all the difference in the world, and uh, more teams 
uh, are uh, teams are using the G League to different degrees. So some teams are using it better, in my opinion, than others. And I think we're one of the franchises that's uh, really figuring out how to how to utilize that uh, that opportunity. And you know, having it so close in Lakeland, where players can shuttle back and forth, that's a big deal uh, logistically. Um, and and the uh, the coaching staff, the 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 folks that the, the team has hired to work in Lakeland, uh, first class and really good at player development. I think we're seeing that uh, that res- the results of that as well. And um, I think it's just it's going to keep getting better and better. Now they have, as you know, Nick, because uh, you know you're right there. But um, being able to bring in you know the, uh, the, the the top players right out of high school, the the NBA is you know is mm-hmm. putting a uh, a team together that's going to be, uh, you know, some of the, the top young talent that uh, decide instead of going to college, they're coming straight into the, the professional ranks and uh, they'll be playing on G League teams. That's going to take the G League to another level, I think, in terms of national and international interest because you're going to have some of the top 18, 19, 20-year-olds in the world that will be playing in the G League for a year or two. So it, it, it's going up. I think it's, it's, it's got a great future. Yeah, that select team is. I we had another we had another player opt in. I think earlier this week or so, and decide to go to L.A. Uh, how they go about organizing it's going to be really interesting. But yeah, I I think that uh, for the G League, they're only going to continue to to build some strong talent. Uh, let, let me let me jump to the uh, to the NBA roster because a guy that has really taken large steps this year is is a guy that. Uh, I was hoping we might see in Lakeland a little bit, but Markel Fultz, we didn't get a chance to see him necessarily. What's it been like watching kind of Fultz develop this season from your chair? Because he seems like a very young but mature kid and is finally comfortable playing here in Orlando. Well, I, I have to say when we when we uh, traded for him uh, last March, March of 19 or February of 19, whenever it was, I guess it was February of 19, um, you know, I didn't know what to expect. You know, it was uh, his his time in Philadelphia turned out to be so disappointing for him and for the team and uh, for fans of his and uh, observers as a number one pick. So you didn't know. I mean, you had no idea. I didn't know much about him as a person. Uh, I had only seen uh, clips of him at Washington. I remember watching a few games when he was a college player. And he didn't look like the same player in Philadelphia. You know, something happened confidence-wise, his injury, you know, you'd heard different things about the injury, um, but it was a real deal. I mean, he he really suffered a a rare and serious injury, and so when the Magic got their hands on him, um, they just totally went uh, about the business of rehabilitating him physically and mentally because, you know, there was was some damage done in both of those areas, I think, uh, after his time in Philadelphia. And I started hearing in August before last season that um, he was maybe August, September, October, um, that he was, uh, he was really making huge strides uh, and that he might even be able to play, you know. And then he turns out uh, to be much, even much better than that. Um, he's in the starting lineup after five games. He only missed, I think, one game so far this season, knock on wood. Uh, he had an illness. It wasn't an injury. He had a stomach virus in Los Angeles, I think it was. That's the only game that he, that he has missed. So, you know, he's recovered physically. Um, he still has to be very careful with that, uh, the injury that he had. And, uh, you know, but the, the, the performance staff is on top of that to make sure that he does the exercises and the things that he needs to do to stay strong and, uh, and stay a valuable player in the NBA. And then uh, psychologically, he's like a different guy. He's 
know, he's really a delightful young guy. Um, he, he, uh, his personality a little bit reminds me of, uh, from what I've been around him, a little like Penny Hardaway. Um, he was Penny kind of quiet, but, uh, obviously really smart basketball player, both of them. Um, and, uh, so I, I think he's going to be a leader. I think he's, he's going to be a guy that, uh, that, that you can count on and he's got a tremendous future. I, I'm anxious to see him on the floor. Um, Me too. soon. I think he's going to be back out there pretty soon from what I'm hearing. Yeah, he was a, a late join, of course, uh, for some personal issues to the bubble. But uh, I think the expectation is we're going to see him uh, at some point in time during the scrimmages and, of course, during this uh, this eight-game uh, seating situation. All right, David Steele, I really do appreciate the time. Um, th- I mean, it, it was great watching you guys yesterday. It's been great talking to you, and uh, I'm sure we will catch up with you uh, down the road as we work our way through the NBA season. Thanks, David. Thanks, David.